Hello and welcome to Genetics Unzipped, the Genetics Society podcast with me, Dr. Kat Arney. In this episode, we're delving into the genetics of superheroes and explaining why you might have hidden powers within your genes. Unfortunately, I don't mean the ability to shoot webs from your fingers or save the universe, but something with a lot more real-world relevance to human health. Before we get started, I'd like to tell you about a brand new podcast from First Create the Media, the team behind Genetics Unzipped, together with the MRC London Institute of Medical Sciences. The Suffrage Science Podcast, How Women Are Changing Science, celebrates and inspires women in science, covering the life sciences, physical sciences, maths, computing and engineering. Here's a sneak peek. Introducing the Suffrage Science Podcast, How Women Are Changing Science, brought to you by the MRC London Institute of Medical Sciences. If we don't have women studying those subjects, then they're not developing all the tools and ideas and systems that reflect the world. So the direction of the world in terms of the sciences is skewed to a particular mindset. If we don't have people from different backgrounds looking at any scientific problems, getting involved not just at the starting point of their careers, but at the end and leadership positions, then the world that we're building is just half built. I'm Kat Arney, and I'll be exploring the journeys of women in science, reflecting on the progress we've made and the challenges still to be addressed through conversations with an incredible group of women scientific leaders who've all received one of the Suffrage Science Awards over the past 10 years. We'll be hearing from inspirational figures like former Chief Medical Officer Sally Davis, computing professor Wendy Hall, space scientist Maggie Adderin-Pocock, activist Helen Pankhurst, and the founders of Suffrage Science themselves, Mandy Fisher, director of the MRC London Institute of Medical Sciences and science broadcaster Vivian Parry. We'll be looking at the women and men who've supported them along the way, what we can do to create more opportunities for women and girls in science, and their hopes for the future. I think we think that we've moved on, but actually during this pandemic, all those old problems have resurfaced all over again. I mean, it's demonstrably and empirically true that women have got the fuzzy end of the lollipop during the pandemic because they've had to cope with homeschooling, they've borne the you know, burden of doing that, they've borne the burden of you know, trying to keep things together at home and they've been trying to write papers. And I feel very strongly that women's publication rates have dropped during this period. And that makes it really apparent to me that for all that we've done, we still haven't done enough. Make sure you're subscribed to the Suffrage Science Podcast through Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. Subscribe to the Suffrage Science Podcast, How Women Are Changing Science, now from Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Find out more about Suffrage Science at suffragescience.org. In April 2016, I spotted a remarkable headline to a piece from science writer Ed Yong. 13 anonymous genetic superheroes walk among us. Despite the catchy title, these people weren't gifted with super strength, telepathy or spidey senses. Instead, 
they had a much more down-to-earth ability. All of them carried genetic alterations that should have made them seriously ill. Yet, they were apparently fine. So, how were these so-called superheroes found? What was responsible for their secret powers? And are there any more of them out there? Let's take a closer look. Like all juicy scientific projects, the search for genetic superheroes started with a simple question with a complicated answer. Not, why do we get sick, but why do we stay well? Rather than the conventional approach to understanding how genetic variations influence the risk of disease, which is to take lots and lots of people with a particular condition, then compare their genes to those of people without the condition, Stephen Friend and Eric Schutt at the Icahn School of Medicine at Mount Sinai in New York turned this idea on its head. Instead of starting with people who already had a health condition, then sifting through their genes, they went the other way. Starting with DNA sequences from thousands of people that had been deposited in genetic databases, looking for alterations known to be linked to serious diseases. Then, finding out whether any of those people with harmful variations were actually ill. They called this idea the Resilience Project and set out to search for people who were resilient to the impacts of their underlying DNA. Although it sounds more than a little crazy and like a lot of hard work, Friend and his colleagues had an inkling that their search might turn out to be fruitful thanks to two patients who had already come to their attention through Mount Sinai Hospital. One was a woman in her mid-50s with changes in both her copies of a gene called CFTR, which should have caused her to have the serious lung condition cystic fibrosis since childhood. Yet, she had never had anything more than mild breathing issues. Then there was a 45-year-old man with a genetic variant that meant he should have had Louis Barr syndrome, a rare and usually fatal neurological disorder, yet he never showed any symptoms. And then there's a man called Doug Whitney, whose family was plagued by early-onset Alzheimer's disease, which is linked to specific genetic variations. Whitney had watched as his mother older brother, and more than a dozen of his blood relatives succumbed to dementia in their 40s or 50s, all of them with the same faulty gene. Fortunately, Doug has made it well into his 60s with no signs of any memory loss or other symptoms of dementia, and he thought that he had dodged his family's deadly genetic legacy. But in 2011, he received some shocking news. After joining a research study, a genetic test revealed that Doug did indeed carry the gene variant that had affected so many of his family. As Jason Bobe, current principal investigator of the Resilience Project, told me when I interviewed him for a feature about genetic superheroes that I wrote for BBC Science Focus magazine. It's what I like to call a smoking airbag, the opposite of the smoking gun. This guy has had an airbag in his biology that has gone off and we need to find it. But it's looking for a needle in the haystack. What other genetic or environmental factors in this guy's life has enabled him to escape this disease, where, in every other case that we've seen, it's been fatal? Doug and the others aren't the only superheroes out there. 
In fact, Friend suspects that around 1 in 25,000 people has a genetic alteration that puts them at high risk of developing a disease, yet somehow don't. So what is it that's keeping these people well? Is it other variations in their genes? Maybe something in their environment or in their lifestyle? Or is it something else? The only way to know is to find more of these unusually resilient people like Doug, unexpected genetic heroes, as Friend originally referred to them, before landing on the catchier genetic superheroes. In search of superheroes, the ICANN team trawled databases from previous studies containing information from nearly 600,000 people about their DNA and their health. To keep things simple to start with, the team focused on around 850 genes underlying what are known as highly penetrant Mendelian disorders. These are severe childhood diseases caused by carrying two copies, or even just one version, of a faulty gene. To start with, they spotted around 16,000 individuals who looked like they could be heroes, with bad alterations in nearly 200 genes linked to more than 160 severe conditions. Narrowing down the search further yielded just 300 potential superheroes. Reviewing each one of these and applying the strictest criteria for their selection left just 13 people who were resilient to a selection of eight genetic conditions. Of this baker's dozen of superheroes, three were resistant to cystic fibrosis, one of the best-known examples of a highly penetrant Mendelian disease. Another three had gene faults that should have caused major bone abnormalities, known as atelosteogenesis. Yet, their skeletons were just fine. Two had alterations in a gene called DHCR7, usually responsible for a severe developmental disorder known as Smith-Lemley-Opitz syndrome. But they didn't have the condition. Another five had their own unique genetic superpowers and were immune to the impacts of genetic variants known to cause a selection of brain, bone, skin and autoimmune diseases. Yet, as far as the researchers could tell, all of them were well. So who were these masked men and women? Frustratingly, we will never know. Due to anonymisation and the lack of the right consent to recontact people in the databases, the researchers weren't able to track any of them down for further investigation to see if any of them had mild or more serious health impacts as a result of their DNA. There is also still a chance that there could have been some identity mix-ups in the databases, which wouldn't be unheard of for projects of this scale. So, are there really any genetic superheroes out there? Excitingly, the answer is yes. While the ICON team's paper gathered excitable superhero headlines around the world, another research study definitively confirming the existence of individuals with superhero status had quietly been published two years earlier, proving the power of PR, if nothing else. Siska Wiemanger and her team at the University of Groningen in the Netherlands never expected to find superheroes, but they did. They were running a project to sequence the DNA of 250 Dutch families as a baseline for the genetic makeup of the Dutch population, 
meaning that if any interesting gene variations and faults linked to disease turned up in future studies, they would be able to tell if they were genuinely linked to disease or were just the underlying DNA of Dutchness. Two people in the study, both in their 60s, carried two faulty copies of a gene called Serpin-A1, which normally makes a protein that helps to protect the lungs. Without it, the delicate tubes and air sacs start to break down, causing serious breathing problems by the age of 30 to 40. Yet, these people appeared to have no serious lung problems. Importantly, unlike the ICON team's database trawl, all these people were known and contactable by Wimenger and her colleagues, so they could confirm the finding. According to their genetics, a number of other people in the study should have had a condition called pseudoachondroplasia, leading to unusually short stature and joint pains. Other conditions on the list include people with genetic variants linked to Wolfram syndrome, which causes high blood sugar, sight and hearing loss. Wilson disease, which comes with liver problems and psychiatric issues, and Neiman-Pick disease, characterised by nerve problems and failure to grow properly in childhood. But most of them were just fine. Some populations are likely to be rich hunting grounds for superheroes. A 2015 study showed that nearly 1 in 12 Icelanders carried two faulty copies of one of more than a 1,000 genes. Researchers sometimes refer to this as being a human knockout, similar to the so-called knockout mice that have been genetically engineered to lack specific genes. Geneticists working with British-Pakistani communities in Bradford and East London, where marriage between people who are related tends to be more common, have discovered a relatively high proportion of people with double faults in hundreds of genes. They've also unearthed several superheroes, including a woman with two faulty copies of the PRDM9 gene, which should have made her infertile according to other studies. Yet, she was healthy and had a child. In fact, a study back in 2012 from geneticist Daniel MacArthur and his colleagues showed that typically any one of us has around 100 so-called loss-of-function variants. That's genetic changes that seriously affect the function of a gene with around 20 completely inactivated genes lurking within our genomes. So, could we all have a hero inside our cells? Well, maybe. Now that we have cheap, large-scale DNA sequencing programmes, the biggest problem is not just identifying healthy people whose genes say they should be sick, but figuring out why they stay well. Just what is it that gives genetic superheroes their health powers? The first explanation isn't exactly glamorous, but it is important to note. There are plenty of inaccuracies in genetic databases, and associations between genetic variations and diseases found in previous studies can sometimes turn out not to be true particularly when studied in more genetically diverse populations. It's also important to highlight that the discovery of the existence of genetic superheroes raises questions about what the results of genetic tests for health conditions really mean. As Siska Wimenga and her colleagues note in their paper about the Dutch superheroes, our results highlight the potential pitfalls of interpreting personal genomes. Increasingly, Decisions are being made about health based on genetic information, 
including prenatal genetic testing for conditions like cystic fibrosis. The discovery that it's possible to apparently carry two faulty versions of the cystic fibrosis gene, yet be healthy, tells us that we still need to know more about how supposedly harmful genetic variations are actually going to manifest in each individual, as well as how their effects might be mitigated. Siska Wimanga told me, We're dealing on a daily basis with patients. We sequence their genome and find a mutation, and we have to predict what we think that means. It's really important that we have a much better understanding of our genome, and when does a mutation matter, and when it doesn't. I think in the past we had this kind of black and white idea, but now there's all the shades of grey. One angle for understanding what might be going on is something known as redundancy. We have around 20,000 genes in the genome, and many of them do similar jobs. So, if one of them is faulty or non-functional, another related gene might be able to step in and get the job done. For example, the blood condition sickle cell disease is caused by a fault in the gene that makes haemoglobin, the main oxygen-carrying molecule in the blood. But some people with sickle cell disease can naturally reactivate a different gene that makes a type of haemoglobin that's usually only produced as a fetus grows in the womb, helping to mitigate the impact of the disease. As might be expected, there's now a lot of interest in developing treatments based on gene editing that can help to switch this fetal haemoglobin back on in people who are affected. Then there's the related idea of compensation. Finding other genetic variations, or even things in the environment or lifestyle, that might be able to compensate for the effects of faulty genes. Then, after that, the challenge is working out how to use this information to improve human health. However, as we'll see, some of the superheroes who are helping researchers unravel this complex problem aren't even human in the first place. You're listening to Genetics Unzipped, the Genetics Society podcast. Find us online at geneticsunzipped.com and on Twitter at Genetics Unzip. And while you're at it, why not tell a friend so more people can discover and enjoy the show? Ringo the Golden Retriever was never expected to have a long life. Born in 2003 in a Brazilian dog breeding facility, he had been specially bred to carry the genetic fault responsible for Duchenne muscular dystrophy, a devastating fatal muscle-wasting disease affecting around one in three and a half thousand boys, leaving them wheelchair-bound by their teens and usually not making it past their 30s. The disease is caused by a fault in a gene called dystrophin, which is found on the X sex chromosome in humans and in dogs. This means that female dogs who have two X chromosomes with one faulty version of the gene will be okay, as the healthy version on the other chromosome can act as a backup. But male dogs have one X chromosome and one Y chromosome, so they have no backup and will have the disease if they inherit just one faulty version of the gene on their single X chromosome. 
Ringo had been specially bred so that he would carry a faulty version of this dystrophin gene, similar to the version found in the human disease, so that researchers could understand more about how it develops and find new treatments. But while his brothers in the litter all started to show the signs of the doggy version of Duchenne's, Ringo was just fine. Lead researcher Myanazatz was baffled. Genetic analysis showed that Ringo did indeed have the muscular dystrophy mutation, just the same as his brother's. So what was going on? But while Zatz and her team were getting busy in the lab, trying to figure out why Ringo wasn't developing doggy muscular dystrophy, he was uh, getting busy too. He took every opportunity to sneak out and engage in what's best called an informal breeding programme, managing to sire an impressive 49 puppies with four different females. Curiously, while most of Ringo's pups did also inherit the Duchenne genetic variant and develop the disease, one of them, Souffler, inherited the gene fault but never showed any signs of muscular dystrophy. Now they had two related dogs, that was enough for the researchers to start trying to home in on whether anything else in the animal's DNA was protecting them. By comparing Ringo and Souffler's genomes with those from other golden retrievers, they were able to home in on a specific alteration in a gene called Jagged One, which was present in the two resistant dogs, but none of the other affected dogs in the colony. Intriguingly, Lab tests revealed that this variation led to unusually high levels of Jagged One being produced in the muscles of Ringo and Souffler, presumably having some kind of protective effect. And when the team put this version of Jagged One into zebrafish that were also missing dystrophin, the fish were protected against developing muscle tears or other signs of muscular dystrophy. Sadly, Ringo passed away in 2014 at the age of 11. Not a bad innings for a purebred retriever, and I've been unable to find out whether Souffler is still with us, although I suspect not. But their legacy lives on in the work that's now ongoing to try and figure out exactly how their version of Jagged One is acting to protect muscles against the impact of faulty dystrophin. The answers could pave the way for new treatments for children with Duchenne muscular dystrophy and potentially other conditions too, such as the muscle wasting that happens in old age. So thank you, Ringo and Souffler. You have been very good boys. The story of Ringo the Superdog is just one example of how variations lurking within the genome might be able to compensate for the harmful effects of disease-causing mutations. By figuring out which molecules and pathways are involved, researchers can then start to unlock possible new treatments such as drugs or even gene therapies that can mimic their effects and mitigate disease. Another neat example of how unusual genetic variations can lead to new ideas for treatments comes from superheroes like Charlene Tracy, an African-American woman in her 40s who was being studied by researchers at the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center in Dallas. In almost all respects, Charlene is completely normal, except one. While many Americans struggle to get their so-called bad cholesterol level below 100 milligrams per deciliter, Charlene smashes it 
with a score of just 14. Charlene's superpower is thanks to the fact that she carries two rare versions of a gene called PCSK9, one inherited from her mum and one from her dad, which pretty much completely knocks out its function entirely. PCSK9 normally encodes for a protein made in the liver, which keeps a check on the number of receptors for fatty cholesterol molecules on the surface of liver cells. The main way that harmful cholesterol is removed from the blood, where it can contribute to clogged arteries or heart disease. Without PCSK9, there are many more receptors on the cells, so the liver can mop up much more of the bad cholesterol before it can cause trouble. While both her mother and father had relatively low cholesterol levels due to carrying one non-functional version of the gene, Charlene's were lower still because she had both. Researchers raced at breakneck speed to develop and test drugs mimicking the effects of having a non-functioning version of PCSK9, and the first PCSK9 inhibitors were approved for use in the UK in 2016 as an alternative to cholesterol-reducing statins, which aren't right for everyone. These drugs could be a potentially life-saving option for hundreds of thousands of people in the UK who are at risk of heart disease due to high cholesterol and millions worldwide. Now, that truly is helping to save the world. Beat that, Batman. The final way that genetic superheroes can help science is in the search for external factors, like things in the environment or people's diets, lifestyles or even microbiomes that could help to mitigate the impact of harmful variations in their genes. And that's incredibly exciting, because those things are, at least in theory, easier to change than developing brand new drugs or doing tricky genome engineering. As Siska Wimenga told me, in the end, there are still people running around with these mutations, but still have no disease. I think if we are able to find out that this is environmental, that's even better because if you can find out what those factors are, you have much better ways to treat people with those bad genes. Because genetics is much harder to change than your environment. The search for genetic and environmental explanations for the superpowers of genetic superheroes is not going to be simple. This kind of research needs a lot of detailed data about DNA and health from a lot of people. And that kind of stuff isn't easy to come by. The US-based Resilience Project is taking a novel approach to solving the problem, recruiting a million people who think they could be heroes, or are just interested in taking part in research, through an app launched in April 2020. They're looking for people with a strong family history of conditions like Alzheimer's, sickle cell disease, heart disease or high cholesterol, but are unaffected themselves as well as people who seem to be resistant to developing infectious diseases, even though they've been infected, including COVID-19 and tick-borne Lyme disease. It's just the start, but hopefully, as the idea of searching for genetic superheroes and learning their secrets grows, we'll see other similar projects take off all over the world. Geneticist Daniel MacArthur noted in a commentary accompanying the 2016 superhero paper, Finding genetic superheroes will require other kinds of heroism. 
a willingness of participants to donate their genomic and clinical data, and a commitment by researchers and regulators to overcoming the daunting obstacles to data sharing on a global scale. The real heroes we need aren't fictional fighters in fancy suits. They're the people who are willing to engage in genetic research on a deeper level to help improve health for us all. And that could be any one of us. As the great David Bowie once said, we could be heroes just for one day. That's all for now. If you want to know more about the complexities of genetics and how our genes make us who we are, then check out my first book, Herding Hemingway's Cats, Understanding How Our Genes Work. And if you're in the US and are interested in joining the Resilience Project, you can find out more from resilienceproject.com or by following the links from the page for this podcast at geneticsunzip.com. We'll be back next time finding out how humans have been giving nature a helping or hindering hand, from shaping the evolutionary trajectories of species through our actions, to using genetics to conserve endangered species, and creating new life through cloning. For more information about this podcast, including show notes, transcripts, links, references, music credits, and everything else, head over to geneticsunzip.com. You can find us on Twitter at geneticsunzip, and please do take a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really makes a difference, and it helps more people discover the show. Genetics Unzipped is written and presented by me, Katani. It's produced by First Create the Media for the Genetics Society, one of the oldest learned societies in the world dedicated to supporting and promoting the research, teaching and application of genetics. You can find out more and apply to join at genetics.org.uk. Our theme music was composed by Dan Pollard, our logo is designed by James Mayle, and audio production is by Hannah Varrell. Thanks very much for listening, and until next time, goodbye.